Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dream Leapers Inspiration. I'm your host, Harriet Cole. So very happy to be with you today. Hope you are doing really, really, really well. For everybody who is joining me live, this is the day after Mother's Day. And I say if you're joining me live because we, um, you know, we live in an on-demand world. So folks uh, watch and listen when they can. But for those live, this is the day after Mother's Day. What a full experience I certainly had for Mother's Day, and I hope that you did too. My daughter, who's been away at school, came home the day before. So that was my great gift to have her with me on our special day. But also, I've been working with a wonderful new organization called the Harlem Festival of Culture. Uh, the Harlem Festival of Culture Foundation is part of that. And let me back up and say Harlem Festival of Culture. You may remember that movie, Summer of Soul, the documentary about the amazing music festival that occurred in Harlem in 1969, the same time that Woodstock occurred, but nobody knew about it. These videos were held in a vault for 50 years almost. And Questlove uh, from the Roots, uh, discovered them and made this documentary that won an Academy Award. One of the people who was featured as the little boy he attended, his name is Musa Jackson. He is someone we refer to as the ambassador of Harlem. And Musa, along with uh, another dear friend, Nicoa Evans, who created Harlem Park to Park, which is a consortium of entrepreneurs in Harlem to help uplift the business community, the two of them and another partner created Harlem Festival of Culture with the intention of bringing a music festival to Harlem each year. In addition, they created the foundation, which has three prongs, economic empowerment, health equity, and youth development. I am part of the foundation as content director and uh, I'm very happy to be part of it. And this weekend, there were two events, one sponsored by Northwell Health, which is the largest health provider in New York City, maybe even state. We did a maternal care brunch where many moms in the community came and expert doctors, Black women doctors, were on a panel talking about the challenges of Black women and maternity and just the care and the disparities in care. This was hosted by Dr. Yolanda, she calls herself Dr. Yolanda, uh, Raglan Lewis, uh, who is part of Harlem Festival of Culture Foundation. And they talked about many of the challenges that Black women face in particular and some of the things we can do about it which was important. And then on Sunday, there was a block party in Harlem for mothers, for mothers and their children and families. And it was just delightful. Uh, I mentioned it because it was wonderful to be in the community and to see the smiles, the, you know, when you're not working and you're just spending time with your family and having those moments of joy and watching the children play in a safe place, it was all really special. So for me, Mother's Day was not only being with my daughter, 
on FaceTime with my mother and my sister uh, in Baltimore and my niece who has a child and my cousin and her uh, son, they were all at my sister's. We were here in New York uh, with each other and also being able to pour some love into the community and share the love that they brought. So it was really, really sweet. Thinking about mothers is what got me to thinking about the focus for today. And it really is about focus. You know, I was looking up quotes from that many people have shared about their mothers, that many people have said about mothers. And one of the things that seems to be consistent is this notion that like your mother has your back, your front, your everything. When you're little, literally, it is because of them that you stay alive and thrive. As you grow and develop, for most of us, the relationship with our mothers is so powerful that no matter what happens, we feel like we're going to be okay because our mothers are there, our mothers are pushing us, our mothers are encouraging us to live to our fullest. And they're directing us with the intention of making sure that our steps are ordered, that we stay in alignment with whatever goals we have set, that they help us to set those goals. And every mother knows your child doesn't do exactly what you want the child to do whether they're little kids or adults, but it's our job to keep our children safe and more to help them form dreams and then work in a focused way toward those dreams. So to me, it ends up being so much about focus that our mothers help us to have focus. And then as we mature, we, we imbibe that. It's almost like we, if you're doing, if you're in alignment with the life that you want to have for yourself, you have to be in alignment with that focus or else you find yourself stumbling too much. We all stumble, but the stumble is too much if you don't have this view. Okay, this is the path that I have set for myself. How am I going to walk that path? How am I going to stay on that path, given all of the obstacles, all the things that could stand in my way. I think that as I was observing families yesterday, and there were so many, so many families, and you know, a lot of times you can tell, oh, that that woman, that man looks just like that person standing next to him only you know 20 30 40 50 years difference depending upon what the relationship is that's not always true with parents and children but a lot of them were and it was really really sweet to see you know to see the resemblance the similarities but also the way they walked the way they moved through space very often what i witnessed was seeing a reflection of the elder and the junior, whether they were little, little, little kids or adults, you could see the way that they walked, the way they held their bodies, the way that they stood, the way they were 
was an absolute reflection of that mother who was standing there. And so I want to ask you to think for a moment, everybody who's gathered right now, think for a moment about your mother, whether your mother is living today or has passed on. Take a moment and think about your mother and what quality would you say, if you had to pick one, what quality would you say stands out the most for you in your life about your mother? Just think, give yourself a moment. Think, what quality stands out the most for you about your mother that had the greatest impact on you, something about her, something about the way that she moved through space, something about the lessons that she taught you, something about the way she encouraged you to stay on course. What would that be? Think about it. Really go deep and think about what is it? Because we often talk about, oh, my mother taught me that. My mother taught me that. I, as you well know, talk about my mother all the time. I'm so grateful that my mother, Doris Cole, who is 93 years old, continues to shine a light of brilliance and focus for me and our family, even in these tender years. And I think it's because that was her focus from the beginning. So what is it about your mother that you hold on to? What is it about your mother that in your tender moments you are able to draw upon to help you stay the course? If you can, write that down so that you have it for yourself. I think it's important for us to hold on to these um, realities and core truths about who we are. And so much of who we are has to do with the mother who nurtured us. And whether by birth, by adoption, by just love, that person who you consider to be your mother, what is it about her that shines most brightly for you? So I will share with you, I, as I was looking for quotes today for, for this broadcast, I realized I didn't need to go into the vault of quotes where I often am searching to find something that's just the right thing to share with you. I didn't need to go anywhere else because there's there are many quotes from my mother, but this one in particular that I think will resonate with everyone. So let's put that up on the screen. My mother, Doris Cole, would say to my sisters and me all of the time, you can do anything you put your mind to as long as you are willing to work hard and treat people well. Let me repeat that. Very simple and real. You can do anything you put your mind to as long as you are willing to work hard and treat people well. And why that's important to me is it's not just the focus, which is what I wanted us to talk about today, but it's focus that includes other people. You're not, you can do anything you put your mind to, including mow people down in order to get to your goal. That's not what she said. She said, you can put you can do anything you put your mind to as long as 
you are willing to work hard, and that is talking about work really hard and treat people well. So sometimes that seems in contradiction. Sometimes when we have a goal in front of us and we can see to the finish line for that goal, like in sports, you might feel like you have to knock somebody down in order to reach your goal. And that is absolutely not what Doris Cole was saying, nor does she profess that at all. Now, she doesn't think anybody should be able to mow you down either. She's a strong woman. She tells us, you must be strong, you must be honorable, you must be focused so that you can accomplish whatever whatever you put your mind to, right? But it does not include hurting others in any way. It may include standing up to others, inviting others to step aside and give you space, inviting others to join forces with you to reach your goal. It can include those kinds of things, absolutely, but not mowing them down, not harming them, not being unkind to them, just being clear. And I think that's important for us to think about. In this environment in which we live right now, there is so much adversity, so much animosity, so much tension. I wonder if you're feeling this. I'm sure you are because it's everywhere. Our culture right now is, it's, it's almost like the flame to ignite negativity and create combustion within our communities is so, you know, that the, the, what do you call it? Um, the wick is so short, boom, that the explosion can happen in any moment. People are tense. People are stressed and stretched. And there's a lot of worry and a lot of anger and a lot of frustration. And I'm not taking away anything from that being real. I know that it's real for many dare I say most of us, if not all of us, there's a lot of stress right now. And actually, because there's so much stress, there are increases in health challenges. There are increases in um, difficulties in relationships, capability to stay focused and reach a goal. You know, like back to my mom's quote, you can do anything you put your mind to, but what if you can't put your mind to it? What if you are so distracted? What if you are so uh, worried about something else that you can't keep your mind on what you promised yourself you were going to? We talked about this a few weeks ago um, when some of these horrific things happen in our world, whether someone is hurt, someone... Uh, commits a racist act, someone is especially unkind, untruthful, uh, just out of alignment with the greater good. We have to address those things when they happen. And it can create a distraction, a real distraction, not um, something that we may think is frivolous, but a real distraction. If something comes up and you have to pivot and pay attention to that thing, whatever that something is, then you can't keep your eye on whatever it is you were supposed to do. And maybe both are important, but the crisis 
is more important in the moment. The challenge that we are having a lot in our culture today is that there's crisis after crisis after crisis. And so while we have our focus, it can get diminished. Its importance can get diminished because we have to put our mind on something else and, and keep pivoting back to the focus, but having to pivot away from it to handle, it's like to put out a fire. So if you really think of it as fire, because that's the image that I feel is real right now. You've got a short fuse, you can have combustion, you can create flames that are very hard to put out. Internal flames are real too. And so if you have combustion after combustion and after combustion, you have all these little fires, sometimes big fires in your life that you have to deal with. Because if you don't, it becomes this huge fire. It can be difficult for you to keep your mind on whatever your goal is, whatever your dream is. You know how in the civil rights movement, one of the expressions was keep your eyes on the prize. And the prize generations ago was freedom. Probably it still is, but freedom, equality, fairness, being treated with respect. The prize in our forebears generations was really like, take your foot off my neck. And yet we saw that happen three years ago. The foot still on the neck, right? So sometimes this notion of eyes on the prize, the prize being freedom, basic freedom, is, is something that we all have to focus on because we, we feel like we're losing it. And then the additional prize, what we talk about a lot at Dream Leapers, the prize of being able to step into your greatness, the prize of being able to recognize your dream and work toward fulfilling it. Well, one of the challenges is if you've got the stumbling blocks of racism, sexism, whatever the isms are, as landmines before, in front of you, way before you get to your dream, how do you get to your dream? And my mom would say, because she grew up in Jim Crow, she grew up in, I mean, I was born in the midst of the civil rights movement, so she was certainly there then. You still have to keep your mind on your prize. Because if you don't, there's no way you will reach the goal that you have in mind. Not possible. And if you go by Doris Cole's wisdom, that you can do anything you put your mind to if you're willing to work hard and treat people well, that willing to work hard and treat people well, they're two different things. Willing to work hard the way I grew up, included often you work on the weekends. Often you work beyond whatever work hours are. And so even for me, goes back to in school, there was no nine to five of school. You would study as long as you needed to until you became expert at whatever the topic was, that you imbibed the topic and were able to understand what you were supposed to be learning. 
you, those, that sense of work hard didn't have a clock on it unless there was a deadline. And if there was a deadline, you did absolutely everything in your power to meet that deadline, period. Whatever it took, however many supports you needed to be able to get there. And so because that's how we grew up, that's what happened when we started working. Other people may work nine to five, but we always understood you work as long as it takes to get the job done. You work as long as it takes to be excellent at whatever the task is ahead of you. And, you know, that's my father's wisdom, uh, that excellence is the only option. My mother adds to that how you treat people. And by the way, my father treated people well too, but he was a judge. And so part of his role, his responsibility, was to evaluate people and literally to uh, pass judgment about their actions. My mother wasn't of that mind. She was of the mind, be kind, see the good in other people, nurture the good in other people, harvest the good in other people. As you move through life, if you do that, what happens? What happens in her way of looking at the world is not only do you survive and thrive, but you create an environment where others do too. If you treat people well, if you're generous with your spirit and your talents and your knowledge, not only do you reach your goal, not only do you do as well as possible, but you are planting seeds. You are sprinkling water on those seeds. You are being kind to the whole community so that everyone can excel often together. This idea of the community excelling is something that is inherent in the communities in which certainly people of color in America grew up. In part, it could be in part just ancestral, but also because they were segregated and only had each other and it was hostility everywhere. People understood that they had to rely on each other in order to survive that all they had was their next door neighbor and people around the corner, the people in their community and their church. Without them, they wouldn't have anything because the community at large was against them. I know people don't like talking about this, but it is real. This is what is true about how America grew. And so one of the positive side effects of that in the black community of segregation was that the people in the segregated community took care of each other. And I've talked to many people, you know, I interview people for a lot of entities, including the history makers. And I've talked to many people who grew up in Jim Crow and African-Americans who went to segregated schools because that was the law. And their teachers were so focused on making sure that they excelled, that they learned to read, that they were expert at whatever the subject matters, uh, whatever the subject matter was that they were studying, because these teachers were setting them up for success. Very often, they were the first generation to be well educated. Um, you know, most families have somebody who had third grade, sixth grade education. If they were in the South, maximum that, because then they had to work in the field. Uh, and these 
families, these teachers, these communities took care of each other. And then there came desegregation. And I was part of that wave when the uh, covenants were lifted off of uh, housing so that when black people in particular, and I think it was true for Jews too, were legally allowed to buy property in other neighborhoods, many people who could did. So many professional black people moved out of their communities into larger houses, so-called better neighborhoods. And we were among those people. The good news for those who moved is you did get a much nicer house, more land, all those things, different opportunities. The bad thing for the community that was left behind is that often, you know, you didn't have the balance in the community. You didn't have, before you had the smartest people, the most challenged people, the disabled people, the elders, everybody in between that were together. When desegregation happened, like the, what Du Bois would call the talented tent, they left. And sometimes adopted values of the so-called majority culture that said, I'm going to get mine. I don't care about you. That, unfortunately, is also part of American culture. And thank goodness that wasn't how I grew up. That wasn't how my parents taught us. They taught the community was important. Even if we didn't still live in the community, every community that we were in was important and taking care of our people was important. And so back to my mother's quote, you can do anything you put your mind to as long as you are willing to work hard and treat people well. So the working hard got my parents and many others the ability, work hard and loosening of Jim Crow, which was all that civil rights effort, to have opportunities that their parents didn't have, to have education that their parents didn't have, to have homes that their parents didn't have. And yet they held on to those beliefs. Yes, they put their mind to dreams that their parents may have never thought were possible for them. They put that work in the way their parents had it, whatever their jobs were, and they treated people well. And I know that when my father passed away, it was a huge funeral, but many, many, many people came to tell us how kind he had been to them, and we didn't know. We didn't know. He didn't talk about, he certainly didn't brag about how he helped people. He helped them. He took care of others. Our mother taught us every day you treat people well. You treat people with respect. You make eye contact. You give them a smile. You have in your awareness that there are other people in this world alongside you. And however you can support them as you are pursuing your dreams, that is your responsibility as a human being. And so I share with you my mother's opinion about focus. In order to reach your dreams, you have to be focused. And I want to ask you again, what is your mother's wisdom? What is the wisdom that you live by that came from your mother? Think about that. Harvest that. It might be more than one thing, but I mean, I have many, but this is the one that resonated the most with me to share with you 
today because I think it can propel us all forward, us individually and as a community. But what is yours? What's your mother's wisdom for you that propels you every day? Write it down. Sit with it. Study it. Embrace it all over again like it's new. Because when you do that, your life is sweeter. And whether your mother is with you today or has passed on, she's with you if you live by her words and her deeds. And so I wish all of you the great joy that we have when we think of our mothers, when we honor our mothers, and when we live by the wisdom that they taught us. I hope that you will cherish that as you move forward this week. And I look forward to being with you next week. Until next time, have a great day and make it count. Namaste.